This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's called a different point of view. All right? It's called an opinion. You are such a disagreeable fellow. He Stuff lost all of that. the weather. Do we want him to join us if he doesn't have the weather? I got it. Well, I got it. I got it. There have been iconic voices on this station in the morning for decades. Voices that people have listened to, in some cases, their whole lives. Voices that people have grown up with. Since moving to the news and talk format in the late 1960s, there have only been three. John McComb. I thought there was going to be <laughs> a good fantastic. Samaritan story in there. Philip Till. Oh, yeah. I'm horny. Oh, yeah. Well, you're living habits, but what can I tell you? <laughs> and, of course, Frosty Forrest. Fifty years ago today, a meteorite hit a woman in Alabama. The first recorded case of a piece of rock from outer space actually hitting somebody. Uh, coincidentally, died. last weekend, Jennifer Thompson <laughs> at the Wild Duck Inn was hit by a flying gin bottle. The Wild but it's Duck Inn. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you like the Wild Duck Inn? So when I was asked to take on this task of getting up early in the morning and being here at 5.30, the first thing I wanted to do was go to them for advice. Well, I was interviewed just a few weeks ago. I think everybody figures I'm about to die soon, so they're doing these final interviews. <laughs> First, I went to see Frosty. What year did you start? I don't know the year, but I do know that I was 26. I remember that, mm-hmm. which was a lot of years ago. And then I put in about a little shy of 40 years. I was taking a radio course, and I came out onto Georgia Street at night when the one course was through, and I looked up on the side of the Vancouver Hotel, the old one, where they had a huge neon sign for CKNW with a top dog and all that. And I thought to myself, I want to have my own program, preferably the top slot on the top station in the city of my choice. So that was kind of a goal in the back of my mind. That's what I want to do. And everything that I did from then on was looking toward what you are now doing. But you got to go to bed early. (laughs) You know, this is so typical of around here where they keep stuff secret, they lock it up, they don't let people see. This is a sinking of a ferry boat, and we should know every single thing possible about it. It's stupid to keep it from the public. After Frosty, of course, came the legendary Philip Till, who also did things his way. I was never much of an entertainer. That was Frosty's job. When I took over, it it sounded like Grimsville after I took over from Frosty. But uh, we all have our different styles, and you have yours, and congratulations on what you're doing there. All the years that you did it, did you have, like, a favorite moment? Well, that was usually 8.30 when I signed (laughs) off. <laughs> but, that is but, true. Uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking all the years uh, that I worked there and I was coming in to do shifts and I never really saw you because you were out the door so quickly. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I uh, I was out the door very, very fast. I decided if I've got to get up at 3 in the morning and I'm off the air at 8.30, I'll be at the building by 8.31. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you certainly were that, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm now very the- aware of, like, what a serious thing this is. There haven't been very many morning show hosts. It was Frosty, you, and John. Do you have any advice for me taking this on? Well, I would uh, refrain from talking too much about my butler, if I were you. <laughs> Does your uh, butler help you with your wardrobe each morning? <laughs> <laughs> It's got three t-shirts. Yeah. 35 years in radio. I don't need to dress, you know. And what would a walk down CKNW morning show lane be without the one, the only, John McComb? Getting your own Christmas tree. Oh, <laughs> oh what God. fun. Going oh, lying there. there in the ice and snow and wet <laughs> and just sawing away like a madman. The kids are all crying because they're cold and wet. Oh, God, the memories. You're really selling sorry, this experience I, for sorry. me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Went off on a bit of a tangent there, but I'm back now. So, John, tell me, is there anything you miss about getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning? You know, Simi, I was thinking about that just the other day, and the short answer is no. That morning show that you are taking over is a very, very special beast. You know, there have only been, well, when I did it, I guess there were only four people in the last 60 years that had been morning show hosts on CKNW. I felt for the first little while, I mean, I could almost feel the, the weight of the history of the tradition of CKNW, and I, I didn't want to let all those, all of my forebearers down. You know, you, you talk yes. about, you talk about Frosty. I thought, my God, you know, I, I got to make this thing work. I, you know, because I don't want to bump into Frosty and have him go. Oh, I don't know, John. That's, that wasn't a very good show. Okay. So it, it's a, it's a lot to live up to. It is. It's a lot. To, it's a very very high bar. But I have uh, every uh, every confidence that uh, you'll not, not only clear the bar, but set it higher as you go. So clearly there is a lot to uphold here. Time to get some advice from those legendary voices who all made the morning show their own. Well, cliches, of course, be yourself. When you're on the air, be yourself. Continue to be yourself. Keep on what you're doing and don't be afraid to uh, tell people what you think some pretty big shoes to fill, so let's see what we can do. As of Monday at noon, people showing any signs whatsoever of COVID-19 will be denied boarding on all domestic flights and intercity passenger trains. That's Prime Minister Trudeau talking about the travel restrictions we could be facing even for domestic flights. I was out at YVR yesterday to pick up a returning child from school. And I have to tell you, it was a ghost town. People getting off the only flight from Montreal that arrived yesterday, uh, and it was early in the morning, the only one the whole day. And I would say 80% of people were wearing masks and gloves. So there's a big concern when it comes to travel. And we're going to talk more about that. What else is happening uh, nationally? Joining us now, David Aiken, our Global News Chief Political Correspondent. Good morning, David. Morning, Simi. Yeah, and you know what I struck me when I heard about this rule for travel is, why did we need a rule for this? Haven't anybody got yeah. the message if you're sick? 
stay home, and you certainly don't want to be getting on a plane or a train. That's the new rule that goes into effect today. I guess planes or trains. I yeah. just don't understand why we need a rule about that. Well, I guess they need it. I think some people are just so desperate to get home. I know my son told me he was afraid. I said, did you watch a movie on the plane? He said, no, I didn't want to touch anything. Like, there yeah. are paranoid people out there. Yeah, and people are getting on these planes and, and wiping down everything they uh, they can. But uh, but anyways, there is a rule now. So if you've, if you've got a cold, uh, then you're not getting on a via train or a plane. There's still no rules, I guess. Or certainly federally there's no rules because there's no jurisdiction on uh, interprovincial buses, for example. So if you want to take a bus between B.C. and Alberta, or even you want to get on the SkyTrain. I mean, there's no rules about that right now. People are obviously being told to take precautions, uh, but that's the, just the general advice. But again, you just come back to common sense. By now, you'd, you'd hope was sort of ruling the day as people decide that if they have to travel, and obviously some people will have to travel, but uh, to do so in uh, in as safe as manner as possible. And if you are exhibiting any symptoms, yeah, you're, you're just going to yeah. have to shut it down. That's the way it's got to be for the next little while. Yeah, you would hope about that. Okay, let's talk about this controversy from the last couple of weeks. Canada getting a lot of criticism because we shipped a bunch of medical supplies to China back in February, but now it sounds like they're reciprocating. Right, and so the initial thinking is that, you know, a global health pandemic, you go fight the, G- the disease where it is. And so, of course, it first started in uh, Hubei province, and Canada at the time, along with many other countries, uh, sent a lot of supplies. We, I think we sent something like 16 tons of medical supplies to China. And uh, it was used to help, uh, you know, the idea was keep it there and not mm-hmm. would it get over here. Well, obviously it's over here. And now China, as China is sort of seeing uh, things start to return to normal, China is, in fact, shipping uh, literally millions of items uh, to Canada. All the, you know, the, the protect, personal protective gear that uh, healthcare workers here need. And uh, we are told that it will be uh, more than what we sent them. China will be shipping us more. And this is in, in government to government uh, deals. So the Chinese government to the Canadian government, as well as standard private sector supply chain stuff, uh, so suppliers here buying stuff from manufacturers in China. Okay. So that's a positive, right? People can be reassured there's more coming. There's more coming, and, and uh, I mean, it may be a question of exactly when, but the Prime Minister on the record last week saying, you know, coming days. Uh, so we would okay. be expecting that this week. Okay, and also one more thing here, David, talking about the data that the federal government is putting out here, uh, do they ha- is it comprehensive enough? Like, do we have a really good picture, or do we have, like, what are we missing? In terms of, in terms of the, uh, the spread of the virus, um, you know, this is one of the things that's evolving. We're testing more and more people every day. It's provincial health authorities who do the data gathering. So the provincial health move the, the, the data up to the public health agency of Canada, and that's who you're seeing pretty much every day. Well, I actually, to be honest, most provincial health officers in your province, you know, Dr. Henry, and here at the federal level, Dr. Tam, are doing daily press briefings. The provinces probably have the most uh, recent data. Um, they're the ones collecting it, and it's usually a 10, 12-hour at least lag that the federal government is publishing. And then there's issues about um, how much, you know, we're ramping up the testing. Mm-hmm. And so presumably as you ramp up testing, you may find more people who have it, people who are asymptomatic but may still carry it. Um, and again, there's, this is just going to be an evolving thing. I can tell you that starting today, Stats Canada, our federal statistics agency, they are in the game. So if you go to mm-hmm. statcan.gc.ca, 
statcan.gc.ca, you'll see uh, the first data set from them. It's, this is really aimed at researchers, but you can still poke around on it, and they explain some of the issues with uh, collecting and, and reporting on the data. And again, it comes back to it's the provinces that are the basis for where these numbers are coming from. Well, I will take a look at that for sure. David, thanks so much for the update. Okay, Timmy, take care. Cheers. You too. David Aiken, Global News Chief Political Correspondent, giving us an idea of what's happening in Ottawa today. Of course, that update coming from Prime Minister Trudeau at about 8.15 this morning. We hope and expect to hear more about the wage subsidy program that was announced late last week. And I know a lot of small and medium business-sized business owners right across the country uh, will be looking anxiously for more information about that. And of course, it's an especially challenging time for kids who have learning disabilities. It's hard enough to get that one-on-one time when you're at school to make sure that you are keeping up with all your fellow students. But what happens to kids who have those challenges when they're left kind of at home and left to theirs and their parents' devices? Well, we're going to learn more about that. There are some new tools to help those children, especially. Rachel Forbes joins us now, Executive Director of the Learning Disabilities Society. Rachel, thank you for being here. Good morning, Simi. Thanks for having us. Now, tell me about this new tool. Was this something that has been recently developed to deal with this kind of unique situation we have? What we were able to do is take what's our our usual one-to-one customized support that we offer children and youth with learning disabilities and put it into an online platform. So we're not necessarily doing something new. We're doing what we've always done, but we've been able to set up a platform that allows us to do that in a really interactive, dynamic way with students who are obviously tuning in from home on their computers. Right. So how would this help? If you're a child who has some challenges at school, and how does this work? This Well, one of the things with kids with learning disabilities is it's really critical for them to have routine and consistent learning support so that they can keep working on, on their learning challenges and understanding the tools and building their confidence so that they can continue to get up to grade level with their peers. So we're just hoping to provide that consistency in this time of uncertainty. We'll obviously be working with kids' schools uh, and the other kind of curriculum that schools are able to deliver during this time to help ensure that kind of consistent support going forward. So what kind of disabilities or challenges does this help with? Having put a couple kids through the school system myself, I had one child in particular who, like math, was always the problem. So how does it help with the different disabilities? Well, we help kids with suspected or diagnosed learning disabilities. So those are typically things like dyslexia, dysgraphia, auditory processing disorders. And it's just kids who have difficulty understanding and using language or numbers and their ability to receive or process and communicate that information. So what we do is work with each student where they're at and based on their assessments and, and their teachers' assessments to develop customized programming that works to help them build tools to overcome those challenges so that they can build confidence and just understand how they learn best. Right. Is this available to anybody then? It's available for kids with suspected or diagnosed learning disabilities. So we're not serving just the general population, mm-hmm. I guess, just those children. Okay. So how do they access it? Well, you can contact us. Uh, you can contact us at, via email at info at ldsociety.ca or give us a call at 604-873-8139. And then what we do is do an, an intake with 
the guardian or parent and the child. And then we set up a customized learning support program for them so that they can take part in what's called our Rise at Home program for research-informed, individualized student education program. So, Rachel, how busy have you been then the last couple of weeks in anticipation of this? Well, we weren't otherwise going to be setting this up right now. So we did have the idea to be putting some of our services online over the next several months. But we have been extremely busy getting this ready to roll out today. We've done some trials over the past week. Uh, We are setting up training and resources for all of our instructors to make sure that they're ready to go to help kids just as they're supposed to be returning from spring break, as you mentioned. So right. you've been very busy. I was just going to say, you have been very, <laughs> very busy then. So this goes beyond what you might have anticipated for this particular product. Yes. Well, we yeah, we just thought it was very important to be able to deliver that consistency to kids. And, and here we are. So we're working with all of our existing families to get them online this week and get familiar with our program and hopefully continue our service pretty much as normal, but without the, the in-person. Right. So is this something that teachers can also access or is this something that the student and the family needs to access? We're happy to work with teachers uh, who have no students in their classroom who could use additional support. So if there are teachers out there who know of students who aren't going to be able to get that extra support during this time, then we welcome them to, you know, connect us with that family. But we, we do typically work with the families, but we also right. liaise with student, student teachers and their resource teachers as well. Now, Rachel, we all know this is a whole new world, right, for all of us out there. But I would say, particularly probably for those in the education field, what has the last couple of weeks been like? I think it's just been a, a time of uncertainty, like for everybody, and trying to figure out how to create some sort of normalcy going forward that, especially for kids and our vulnerable kids, creates that you know safety and normalcy and routine that helps us all feel like there's still some routine in the world. You know, we all we all like a, a little bit of routine, so. I'm happy that I'm still uh, going virtually to the office every day yeah. and, and being able to work with our educators to help deliver the same services and that the kids are able to keep working with us and the instructors that they've built relationships with to add you know, one little bit of normalcy to the weeks going forward. Well, we need that for sure. Okay, so then one more time, Rachel, how can families uh, get in touch with you? They can shoot us an email, info at ldsociety.ca, or go to our website, which is ldsociety.ca, or give us a phone call, 604-873-8139. All right, we will do that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Well, nobody should take their child uh, to school Monday when spring break officially ends. Those essential workers should be in contact immediately with principals just to say that is something that their family needs if it is and uh, to take to make arrangements uh, on an individual school level with the principals, vice principals and teachers. A secondary group of, of uh, parents and kids that we want the school system to serve are those with certain special needs where um, they may need to be in touch uh, with some of their support staff and teachers uh, in a more one-to-one way. 
That's Rob Fleming, Minister of Education. He was speaking on 980 CKNW on Saturday. Now, today is the day that kids were supposed to be returning to their classrooms from spring break. We know now, though, that's not happening, right? Uh, Now, something that the Minister Fleming did say is that there still may be a chance for kids with special needs and the children of essential service workers to come back to the classroom in some kind of capacity, although, you know, the classrooms would have to be smaller, they'd have to be structured completely differently. They're still working on that. He said for children with special needs, they're working on the idea of perhaps arranging home visits. And he did emphasize that parents to whom this would apply really do need to be in touch with their principals and school staff ASAP. But as for all of this, how is the rest of this going to work? Joining us now to talk about it, Richard Sussman, our global news reporter in Victoria. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Simi. Okay, so some teachers are going back to the classroom today to do some work. Others are doing this from home. Is that right? Yeah, it depends on the district. So uh, Education Minister Rob Fleming is leading the overall charge, but ultimately the decisions are being made district to district. So depending on what the districts are deciding, some teachers are reporting back to the physical schools today. Others could report back later this week. Some may not go into the schools at all, but ultimately the goal for teachers is to make some sort of contact uh, with their students at some point this week, just to, to reach out, to see what they need, to see what they would like to see over the next, we don't know how long. And so that's the process. It's really up to the district. So teachers are being asked to speak to their principals and then principals are getting guidance from districts in terms of how each of them are going to operate uh, through this a period of uncertainty. Okay, so clearly there's there's stuff for parents to remember here, right? It's not just teachers reaching out. Parents are going to have to do some work here as well. Yeah, so that was one of the things I spoke to Minister Fleming last week, and he said, you know, the the same tone we've heard from uh, Premier Horgan all along. We are all in this together, and the province is trying to uh, figure out resources to ensure that uh, parents have what they need to help their kids the best they can through this period of time. So they've put a lot of information out on the uh, BC government website uh, where you can get... Uh, the curriculum is available, but also mm-hmm. more information to help teach your kids at home as part of this sort of cohesive network of learning that will involve communication with the teacher, but the parents will have to take a lot of that weight on at home in order to ensure that their kids right. are sort of developing some of the skills that are needed. And how active has the BCTF been in all of this, Richard? Because we did hear last week that they reached a rare, through negotiation, uh, tentative agreement with the province. Yeah, so this has been a funny one, Simi, because we were waiting for this negotiated deal for a long time, and there was an escalation before all of this happened that the teachers may move to some sort of work action. Well, clearly that has changed. The deal's in place, and so we haven't heard a lot from the BCTF because they are in the midst of trying to communicate with their members this new deal so they can ratify it. So the TF has been surprisingly quiet in all of this because they want to ensure that their members have a chance to look at this new deal. And I spoke to Minister Fleming about this as well. The two things are very separate because one of the things that's come out is that teachers will continue to get paid until the end of the school year if there are classes in class or not. And I asked Minister Fleming, well, does that have to do with the negotiations that took place? He said they were totally and completely separate. We should hear at some point this week from the BCTF as that deal uh, is ratified as expected. And then we can get some thoughts from the TF on how they feel their teacher 
features uh, are are being accommodated through uh, this process. But yeah, it's been a really interesting thing, Simi, because the deal came as a surprise to many based on the timing uh, and has led to the TF having to take a bit of a back seat in terms of speaking publicly about what they think of the implementation of this very uh, bizarre uh, next few, you know, indefinite period in, in classrooms in the province. I should mention here that, of course, Mike Smith coming up just after us this morning, his new show debuting 9 to noon. And according to his lineup, he has BCTF President Terry Mooring coming Great. on the show today. So we'll get so hopefully it sounds some like of those. That blackout, yeah, so it sounds like that media blackout is ending uh, today because we, when I requested uh, Terry Mooring uh, both Thursday and Friday for stories I was working on for TV, I was told that she was in the midst of, first it was Thursday negotiating that deal and then Friday it was uh, communicating to members. Okay, so more to come on that. So clearly this is a very challenging time, Richard. And as you mentioned, every district is doing this differently. Has that raised some concerns? I think part of it is about clarity. I think for parents, for teachers, for everyone involved in the system, everybody wants certainty and this is an incredibly uncertain time. And I think there have been some calls for the province to step in and administer the whole thing themselves, right? Tell every single school district, you must have administrators back on this day. You must have teachers back on this day. You must allow children of essential workers and uh, vulnerable children back on this day. But the province has said... The districts are the employers, the districts know what are best, and the districts will continue to be the ones, based on the guidance of Dr. Bonnie Henry and the guidance of the ministry, they will be the one making those decisions. We will see how that unfolds, but you know the, the the part that's important to note is do not bring your kids to school today. Yes. The schools are closed, uh, but they will be open eventually, just not for in-school teaching. And there are some schools that teachers are going back to, like I mentioned. So it, it, it just depends on school to school. But don't go to the schoolyard. Uh, those are all closed. Don't go play basketball at the basketball hoop at school. You, That's yes. all closed. Uh, and just you will hear from your teacher if you haven't already. I'm a parent okay. here in Victoria. We've heard from our principal and from the district. I think I've heard from a lot of parents that have heard at least something from the district or the school in terms of next steps. But the the bottom line is we have no idea how long this is going to last. We don't know what it's going to look like. And and one of the primary focuses to Simi are grads. They're worried about their final grades, about having that grad ceremony, all of that still up in the air. But there's a lot of work being done to try to provide some certainty. I don't expect we'll get any of that this week, but the, they're trying to at least lay out a plan right. this week. Now, as you mentioned, you're a parent as well in the Victoria School District. Now, how are you keeping your kids occupied, Richard, besides making superhero videos with them in the backyard? Because I did <laughs> see that one that you worked on. And, and that was great. You know, this great. is one of the things. My, my wife and I are both very fortunate that we're working through all of this. I know a lot of British Columbians are not in the same situation. Yeah. We're also very fortunate. We have grandparents very close by. And Dr. Bonnie Henry has been asked in the past about should grandparents continue to play a child care role for people. And I know that's important to a lot of listeners who rely on grandparents or aunts and uncles to help take care of their kids. If they are in your closest bubble, as in they are the people who you are the only ones you interact with, they can still continue to play those roles. Uh, and so we have grandparents we can rely on where the kids go. And I'm being told that school starts today at the grandparents' house. Uh, at 9 o'clock this morning, our grade 3 kid will be working on schooling <laughs> at 
home. <laughs> All right. And I think that's, that's part of what a lot of parents and grandparents are doing is to try to create yeah. some sort of schedule for their kids. Because as you know, Simi, kids need that uh, oh, so do. desperately. <laughs> so, do, so do I. As a parent, I desperately yeah, need so that as well. <laughs> Richard, thank you so much. Thanks, Simi.